Remember when you could just throw a girl in a volcano? Hello and welcome to episode 80. We've made it to 80. Are mm. we at 80? Of Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other um, travellers to the end of the world, I suppose, as masterpieces. I am Nick. I am the... Uh, uh, the the fool of this podcast, <laughs> and I am joined as ever by Roger. I brought cocaine, <laughs> and we are discussing a double bill of films, um, which are uh, loosely related. Roger, explain to me what what you felt tied these films together because this was your suggestion. Yeah, the, this is actually a, a pair of films that I've had in in my mind since we started doing this. Um, on a surface level, both of them are about the world ending. Spoilers, okay, by, yes. Spoilers, by the way. Uh, yes, that's true. They're both about the apocalypse, one more surprising than the other, but yes. Uh, but on the other, other side of that, I felt that both of them really do the tropes of a standard film. Um, in one case, rom-com, in the other case, the, the expendable meat uh, yes. Go, going off, going Some off sort of a little bit to get talk. slaughtered. Yes. Uh, I really, I think they both do it so well that, for me at least, they effectively killed the genre. I, I, oh, they killed off rom coms and, um, uh, yeah, classic. I, I, I really uh, felt that. Slasher films, I suppose. They had said everything that could usefully be said, and everything else was just going through, would just be going through the motions. Yeah, okay. That's, um,. Yeah, well, let's talk about them then. So the two films we're talking about are Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, uh, Lorene Scafaria, is that mm -hmm. how you say it? Um, and Cabin in the Woods, um, Joss Whedon, uh, which we'll, uh, well, we had to talk Well, about Drew Goddard um, directing, but yeah, we, we, uh, by a script for, from both of them. Um, okay, well, let's talk about Seeking a Friend for the End of the World first. Yeah. So, so this is, um, this is after, this is after, um, this is way after Armageddon and Deep Impact, isn't it? Hmm. Uh, what, one of the things I like about it is, uh, the, the setup, and we get this setup in, in the first scene is, the world is going to be hit by an asteroid in three weeks. The heroic rescue has failed. That's it. Yes. Yeah, it's basically like, it starts where Deep Impact is just about finished, really. Um, yeah, we've got three weeks to live, and everyone's going to die, and there is, it's going to happen, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. And I think, arguably, the, fir the first section of it, the first act, I guess, I, I don't really spot, spot act boundaries the way many people seem to. Um, I, I'm very bad at that as well, I agree. But this, this gradual, you know, I can keep going to my job. So, yes, we have I Steve can... Carell, don't we? Uh, who yeah. not, in a, in a fairly straight role. Yes. He's fresh off the American office in this. I think it had just finished by then. I don't think it was still going on. Um, but yes, yeah. a very uh, straight man role. Absolutely. It's fine. There seems to be a lot of these films where the uh, the outwardly comic uh, actor, um, male actor, uh, oh, sorry, a, a male actor who has a history in comedy plays a very straight role to a a female actor has a more dramatic um, background, playing a comedic over-the-top role. I suppose I'm thinking of things like um, uh, f uh, not Fifty First Dates, the one, oh dear me, um, uh, uh, Summer, uh, Fifty Days of Summer, or something, mm. and um, the uh, Jim Carrey, I'm doing a great job of this, aren't I? The Jim Carrey one, um, uh, The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so here we have, yeah, Jim, uh, Jim Carrey, um, yeah. Steve Carell in a I very straight role. Don't think I'd seen him in very much before this because uh, I'm not not a big comedy fan in general, and uh, that was mostly what he was known for. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know don't, if one has seen him before um, in comedic roles. Does that make a difference here? I, for me, it was just okay. Here is this guy. He, yeah, he, I don't he, think he's pretty so. much an everyman. I think he's very much an everyman. Yeah, yes, I agree. Um, but one of the things I find uh, very effective is um, alright, so we are all going to die, it, take, it takes a while to absorb that you know, yeah. and until 
until I have a reason to do otherwise, yeah, I'm just going to keep going to my job while while the world falls apart around me because that's what I do. I've not got anything else here. Yeah, my wife. And what spurs him out of that is a colleague committing suicide onto his car, basically, mm. uh, and makes him realise perhaps uh, there's what we have the lovely scene of his cleaner doing that for the whole film and and never kind of giving up um, mm-hmm. and and him sort of trying to get it through to her and then giving up and accepting that well if that's how she's coping that's fine yeah and a, a splendid scene at a party uh, whereas I mean yes on the one hand these are people who vaguely know each other but on the other hand yeah Sarah and Dave brought heroin ooh bucket list <laughs> <laughs> yes yes we have um Patton Oswalt is the name I was trying to think of. It's very good in a a small cameo there, but as, as good as ever. Um, yeah. And, uh, now, obviously, or obviously to me, uh, this invites a comparison with Neville shoots on the beach. Oh, that's true. That's and also we're all going to die. Um, yeah. The, the, in this case, this, this is people in Australia. There, there has been a nuclear war. And they they thought for a while that the circulation of air currents would keep the fallout to the northern hemisphere, but, but it is becoming not. clear as the book progresses that that no that is not happening. Yeah, there's so uh, I suppose in on the beach there's some faint glimmers of false hope, and it kind of always feels a bit like false hope. But they almost think they might make no no we're actually all going to die. No, there we go, and, it, and it does follow it through to the bitter end. Um, and to to me, one of the key points of that is. When you know that that is going to be the end, what do you do? You know, what, what do you yeah. try to leave behind you? There is not going to be anybody to see it. You don't have to worry about your legacy. Well, it's an interesting, I mean, I, I like films like this because it opens up that philosophical question. You know, your own death is one thing and it shouldn't really matter. Uh, I suppose from your own personal experience point of view, should it really matter if the human race is dead or not? But it, there is a psychological impact of realizing not only are you dead, but everything you've ever done and ever will do is rendered pointless by the extinction of the human race, and mm. everyone you know will die. And that is a heavier situation than just yourself dying. And so it's an interesting... Yeah, and, and uh, also that there is nothing you can usefully leave. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter what you do from here. Uh, maybe in some vague distant future, some alien will... Con- yeah, there's your tension now. There's, there's nothing you can do. There's no legacy you can leave behind. You have just got three weeks left of existence, and that's it. And so, I mean, when when we get to the actual plot, because this is a romantic comedy, it is a rom com. Yes, um, uh, it doesn't sound like one, but it is. So Dodge, yeah, his wife has left him in the opening scene. Um, uh-huh. We, I don't think we ever see her again. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think he, she has a speaking role. Does she? she just runs out the car. His neighbour um, has just just had a break up, and through contrivances, it's, it's a rom com. Through contrivances, yes. they meet each other. Uh, she has the the airlines have shut down. It, it, it's implied there might be a, a risk of early arriving debris or something like that. But basically, you know, I, I suspect some of it is pilots don't want to be bothered. Yeah, um, well, I'm not going to yeah spend my last few weeks doing this. But yeah, she she. Um, has missed the last chance to get home to her family in England. This is this yeah, Penny played by Kira Knightley. And yes. No stranger to ribbon of memes. We had her in um we had her last in uh well we saw her last in um Never Let Me Go. Hmm. And yeah So you know, he he she, through rom-com contrivance, gives him a letter that arrived three months ago but was misdelivered to her, in which his old high school sweetheart, you know, the one he let get away, um, has said, hey, I'm still here, I'm divorced these days, how are you doing? Ah, the MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, they, they set out, he, he wants to go and find her, uh, the, the sweetheart, and she, and he says, okay, I know a guy with a plane who can get you to England. Yeah, doesn't say much about the guy, but yes, he knows a guy. Um, well, he has a reason for not saying much about the guy. So, I, for me, the first half of the film worked better. I, I loved the, um, I don't know, the, the kind of his reaction contrasted with everyone else's contra- uh, uh, reaction around her, him. The riots and uh, and the the TV increasingly desperate TV actors, anchors, and the 
cheerfully some people cheerfully ignoring it um and i dodge is a great character um and she's i i find it more interesting in the earlier half and i love the i don't know i love the scene where they hitchhike a ride with the trucker who has um arranged his own assassination which i think mm. is it's mentioned before that that's or maybe it's a sign in a post box i can't remember no, in a, in one a of wall, wall of notes yeah yeah, but he, it turns out he assumes they're the assassins, um, and just as he's starting to warm up, um, he gets shot by a passing assassin. Yeah, William um, Peterson, who'd been playing the lead on CSI. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I thought he had a great, very short, but great part. Um, mm. I, I, again, it genuinely made me laugh that, you know, in a lot of places, particularly when they've just buried him and then realised they've left his car keys in his pockets, so they have to dig him mm. up again. Another one of my favourite scenes, they go to, um, is it Frenzies? This, um, yes, manically... national restaurant. Yeah, it isn't an, an existing one, but their their shtick is that everyone's your friend and everyone's your family, and they have just... I, I love the way it just becomes apparent they have taken it to a kind of pathological extreme of, of friendship, and they, they leave just before the, the orgy breaks out, mm-hmm. basically. But it's um it's a nice moment, and then they, they have sex, uncharacteristically for a rom-com. They, it doesn't kind of mean anything. They just have sex in the truck, um... Well, I mean, it can't mean anything. At, at yeah, this point, exactly. they've got, what, roughly two weeks left to go, and yes. I cannot think offhand of any diseases that would debilitate you much in that time, and certainly yeah, pregnancy but... won't be a worry. So, uh, Yeah, exactly, that's not not going to be a problem. So they, yeah, they don't, I can't, uh, Kira Knightley is really good here, and I found her, I found her slightly irritating, personally, and never let me go, because she's very... Uh, well, she's not quite exuberant and over the top in Never Let Me Go, but more expressive, certainly. Um, but here, it absolutely fits her character. She's a kind of, uh, she's mm. slightly stereotypical, quirky British character. Um, yeah, or, when she started off being standard flaky, I, I yeah. wasn't terribly impressed, but she does move a bit beyond that. I, yes, I, I think maybe, she maybe does. a bit directionless, but as she gradually drops the flaky stereotype and moves into an actual character, an individual. With, yeah, with that, that... I'd, I'd like to say, you know, um, this, this is Scafaria's first um, film as a director, and, yeah, she, she and she's writing as well, uh, which, uh... which is often a, thing, a recipe for things going horribly wrong. Um, but yeah. she manages to keep clear of being the Manic Pixie Dream Girl as well. Well, that's uh, yes, and that is a real trap to fall into with this sort of thing. The uh, I'm skipping ahead a bit, but the scene where she's talking to a family on the phone, basically she's acting with a lump of plastic. Um, mm. She does a phenomenal job there. I mean, I, th- I think that is a, a great bit of acting. Um, yeah, so uh, she she is very good, and and yes, she is. Uh, she's not the stereotypical flaky dream girl, though she does come across as that at first. Yeah, I mean, she looks as if she might be. And the the other thing that, um, something that just doesn't get mentioned very often is, yeah, Do- Dodge is quite a few years older than her. And yes. he's regarding this as, yeah, well, yeah, maybe, yeah, obviously, yeah, she's pretty, but maybe I shouldn't be making any moves, whatever. Yeah, and he, well, he did, he mentions it and, and he, he's worried about it in a way that she isn't, but it, it is brought mm. up, um, and yeah, nicely, nicely done. Um, yeah, so I, I really like the opening uh, half, I guess. Um, then, uh, I don't know, when it becomes a, a more intense search for his ex-girlfriend, uh, it felt, uh, I, I don't know, I started to feel it was less, it started to drag a little bit in places. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there was less new things going on, and it was more about the development of their relationship but I, uh, I felt they were still hanging on to the the kind of MacGuffin. I don't know. I just felt mm, I'm trying to analyse why it dragged a little bit in the last half, and I'm not quite sure. Ah, uh, yeah, I can I can see it, I guess. But um, for for me, it worked pretty well. Um, mm. the, the, it, it's the combination of here is the standard rom com stuff, which is going on because people still going to be people. Yeah, but on the other hand, there is always that awareness that people aren't going to be people for that much longer. I did wonder in this one whether it would 
I'm glad it didn't. But I, I was wondering, are they going to? Is that is this? Is it going to miss the Earth, and that's going to lead to uh, awkward, or is it going to end with they, they're all safe? But no, I, I did appreciate much like um, uh, on the beach. It takes it right through to the bitter end, and there's mm. no escape. And um, but it doesn't it doesn't dwell on the misery. Of, um, well, on the beach has its moments of joy and. Um, uh, a love and realization of what you're going to do with this last time, but it is much more downbeat, I think, than this film. Yeah, e- even when you everybody knows that life isn't going to go on, but for now, life does go on. Yes, yeah. Uh, and then we have the the scene. Uh, Martin Sheen pops yeah, up. Surprise, um, Martin Sheen! Surprise, Martin Sheen moment. He doesn't. I don't feel like he gets a great deal to do. Um, yeah. And a lot of American films are about sort of dad issues, and, and we have this kind of resolution. Um, but I thought it was it was well done. Yeah, I, I was well, moved I, by one it. One of the things I like about it is a, a, a lot of the times that's done, it would be, you know, you left, yeah, I had to because, and yeah, yeah it gets talked out. Whereas here it's, no, there's just no point in doing the talking. Yeah. I'm here, you're here, we've got a week. <laughs> Yeah, we, we can hold this grudge or we can not. But I just don't want yeah, to talk about it. <laughs> I agree, and it sort of let go realistically. Uh, and almost because it's not quite of talk through, it's still, there are still... Uh, yeah, it, it's well done. You can see the still feelings and grudges, but they both kind of accept... What, yeah, what is the point? Um, so it was it was nicely underplayed, I, I feel. In fact, a lot of... Steve Carell's performance is nicely underplayed and nicely done. I, I think he does have a... He's not really a zany actor for the most part, except in Anchorman, but here he's very kind of downplayed, um, but emotional and believable, and yeah, a good everyman. And so, in in the end, or apparently the end, uh, he we, we've established that, that um, Penny ha- has a sleeping disorder such that she, she will sleep through practically anything. Yes, um, yeah. And that's necessary because, uh, he, he ends up le- leaving her aboard his dad's plane, even though he knows that he has now fallen in love with her. He, he lets her go on thinking that he's going to make contact with the ex-girlfriend and so on. Yes. Uh, having he, not actually done so when he had the chance. He goes back to the apartment in a slightly rushed move. I feel like suddenly, uh, when they thought they had a week left, actually, no, it's going to arrive a, a week early. Yeah, so. that, that really doesn't work for me. Um, yeah. I mean, Leaving would it, orbital yeah. mechanics aside, it's it's yeah. just not the sort of thing that happens. Um, you know how fast it's moving; it's not going to suddenly accelerate. It just yeah. yeah. It, 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 it felt to me as though the director had run out of stuff to happen, and you know the the previous scene would not have worked if it were only twenty four hours to go. Exactly. So, yes. so that has to be a week ahead. But but now we we have to jump to the end, and yeah. Yeah, it could have been handled differently, but I agree. She wouldn't have got on the plane if there wasn't a week left. Maybe they could have just said it took her a week to get back or something. I don't know. But it just, it, the fact that the, the meteorite suddenly teleported a week closer, it just didn't make a lot of sense. Mm. But, but that's us being grumpy science people, I guess, <laughs> in, in some way. <laughs> well, but it, it, yeah. It, it, it's a narrative wrench as well. That's the thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. I agree. Um, but we have the the lovely closing scene as well, and that really did work for me. Hmm. Where uh, I guess Dodge shows that it was worth it after all. It doesn't matter that everything they do is it's going to be grounded. You know, she. Uh, well, it's, she it's, said, that's not a reason not to do it. Exactly. She. I, I guess. Um, Penny is, uh, I wish we'd met you earlier, and he's very philosophically, well, it, w- it wouldn't have worked, and um, I wish we could have saved each other. We did. Well, I mean, but part of that is, is, is um, in, in the uh, diegetic reality of the film. They, they have been neighbours for several years and never yeah. looked at each other. So Yeah, so it's, it's right, yeah. It's, um, as a, so, I, I agree, um, as, a, as a melding of rom-com, and apocalypse, I think it works perfectly. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. For me, I'm not sure it's the last word in in rom coms. You know, I've seen. I, it feels a bit like to me a melding in a similar way to like Shaun of the Dead was. That in that it, Shaun of the Dead works really well as a horror film hmm. uh, and works really well as a rom com. And to put them together, it works very well. And here we have the same sort of thing with a apocalypse film. Um, 
Uh, but I I agree. I mean, I'm not sure I need to see another rom com, but that may be because I've seen far too many in my time. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do watch them occasionally. I I like them to be getting out of the of the cliche thing. But the the thing I like about this, I think, is that it manages to justify a whole bunch of the silly behaviours because there is that constant background pressure of this is the last chance I'm going to have to do whatever. I think that and that will tie in quite nicely with Cabin in the Woods in that it successfully manages to explain the behaviour of the characters which is not the way normal humans behave but here it is believable because there is no future and yeah people are going to do crazy stuff that is out of character um so yeah, I I absolutely agree there. That is one thing it really does do is justify Hollywood behaviour in a realistic way. The, the one, um, one thing I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I've got to do this Rogers Aviation corner. That is <laughs> that is not an aeroplane that would have the range to go across the Atlantic. I didn't think so. I didn't understand. <laughs> but that, how is that going to get across? I don't know what part of America they're in, but I don't think they're on. Uh, e- even well, I guess they're on coast, the East Coast, but I don't I don't think so. you get anything useful. No. Okay. no, you 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 could you could sort of island hop across um, Greenland and stuff, but uh, yeah, it it, it yeah. does it just doesn't seem plausible to me. It, which is, I, I mean, fair enough. It is legitimately the sort of aircraft a person might reasonably own for, for oh, their, yes, for their yeah. hobby, rather than yeah. But yeah, then they would have to find fuel on Great. Yeah, it, it seems unlikely, doesn't it? Um, but there we are. Well, um, I very much like it. I. Is it a masterpiece? Very close to it. It's certainly one of my favourite ever rom-coms. Um, uh, yeah, for, for I me think, it is. I, think... I mean, it, it wasn't widely loved. No, it was a bit of a flop, wasn't it? Um, which is a shame. I had heard the name of it. I had never uh, seen it. Um, so I'm very, uh, very grateful for you um, pointing me in its direction. I think it probably is a masterpiece in the set. It's really hard to melt those two genres and get it correctly. And I think it, it's a really good rom-com. It's a good uh, end-of-the-world film. Uh, and mm. it, it has the courage of its convictions. I would like to give a shout-out to a similar but very different film, which is Don't Look Up, which got an absolute mm. pasting critically. That is more about um, our society and about... Um, uh, well, it's about climate change, really. But it, it has a similar... It's got a very similar theme in uh, the the theme is the same. It's not a rom com, but it's uh, it, it's very good. I think it's. Uh, I, I've heard good things about it, though I haven't yet seen it. Uh very good. But yeah, it's not really trying to do what this film uh, did and did very well. Um, I don't know what um, Lorene Scafaria has done since then. Um, uh... I don't know because this this is one of those unfortunate things. She was sort of given creative freedom. She made a really good film, but unfortunately it was a bit of a flop, so I don't know if that has cut her off at the knees or quite what's happened. Well, there. also, there's the classic problem of a female director just doesn't get breaks a lot of the time. But uh, she, she's directed two more films. Um, the Muddler, which is Susan Sarandon and uh, Rose Byrne. Uh, okay. Basically, aging widow moves to be with her daughter and meddles and then learns that actually meddling might not be the best thing, which... I, okay. it's, you know, good actors, it's, it's had positive reviews, but it doesn't yeah. appeal to It doesn't me. appeal, no, I agree. And uh, the other was, uh, The Hustlers, 2019. Um, basically a, a bunch of exotic dancers, um, collude to rip off horny men. Alright. Uh, I, I, it, it, it depends. It's at least partly based on reality, but I don't know how much. Well, it sounds like it could be amazing, but also could be terrible. So, um, uh, yeah, might be worth looking into. It got reasonably positive reviews, but yeah. Well, shall we move on to The Cabin in the Woods? Yeah, so same year. I, I think it may actually have been released a few months earlier, though I'm not certain. And Okay. This is... So, to keep things simple at first, at least, uh, directed by Drew Goddard... Yes, uh, quite long, right. long time guy who works with Joss Whedon. Yes, uh, co-written with Whedon, and Whedon produced it. Yes, so it's uh, it's heavily Whedon, and it really does feel Whedon-esque. Uh, I suppose we can talk about what we mean by that. Um, uh, so Go- but... Goddard's uh, previous writing job was Cloverfield, which I found oh, tremendously dull, 
And yeah. the, thing he wrote, the thing he wrote after this was World War Z, which I found tremendously dull. So, uh, it's a shame J, J. Michael Straczynski did a, a, a script for it, but they thought it was too much like the book. The book's not bad of days uh, of World War Z, but yeah, the film is. Um, uh, Goddard then went on to work on the Daredevil TV series, which has had positive things said about it. It's all right. It's quite dull, I must say. It's, it's good, <laughs> but it's very long and dull um, in areas. Uh, you could have cut half of those shows out. Anyway, so, so this anyway, is... yeah, five, five horny teenagers go off to a cabin in the woods. It's not going to end well. Uh, yeah, but it's not going to end the way you expect because we have a a. Um, I went into this film uh, knowing there was a big twist, and so I. I suppose I was slightly surprised that it shows it. It's it's nicely done in that it shows its hand relatively early on, and then you have to work for the consequence of it. It's not like oh, and this is the surprise ending. It's like no, this is what's actually happening, and you find that out certainly halfway through the film. You kind of know what's going on. Um, yeah. So um, on, on the basic level, we we have these two parallel stories. We have a bunch of guys in a high tech establishment of some sort. Yes. You are getting ready for the big night. The, the big and uh, batting back and forth, very Whedon-esque dialogue the whole way. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, that, I mean, that, and that's one of the things I mean by Whedon-esque. It's quips are king, and more important, really, than characterization. Or, uh, I mean, they're all so, in character. Some people do not constantly quip. Yes, and yet they are still interesting people. <laughs> yes, exactly. The dialogue does sing and it's zinging. It's always interesting to listen to, but it, it it's lost favour with me and probably a lot of people now. Um, given revelations about Joss Whedon's behaviour as a producer um, uh, of, of many of these shows, but they are funny, likable characters. Uh, I I don't know though. I must say, as the film progresses, we realise. I'm staying with the the institution for the moment. Um, hmm. uh, we realise that these characters, um, uh, and this is uh, um, Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford as hmm. uh, as Gary and Steve. Um, these characters are basically going to work. So it looks like a sort of ordinary day at work, and they're bantering and enjoying themselves. What they're actually doing is sacrificing children or barely children teenagers to the elder god to prevent the end of the world um and i don't know in that context it's and i know it's presented as oh it's just another day in the office but i don't know i i i struggle to believe the characters at that point that they you know they're bantering and joking they don't do this what do they do every month every year it still should be an unusual event i think hmm so anyway, I, I I struggle with the characters. They're, they're fun and likable, but when you find out what they're doing, it's hard to understand why they're behaving like kids. <laughs> really, one, one also feels that given that the stakes are yeah the actual end of human life, yes, uh, they they might perhaps take it a bit more seriously. Uh... Yes, yeah, I think I I guess what comes about through the film is also they are one of a number of facilities. Which I did. This is a really nice touch that they all. What they are doing is kind of the American version of the horror film, uh, recreating it for their particular elder god. Um, but in uh, in Japan, they have their particular version of the... And, and all through the world, everyone's... God knows if there's a British one where they're recreating Hammer horror films or whatever. <laughs> that would be terrifying. But, uh, it, it but, turns but out... even by the start, everybody except Japan and the US has failed in this year's attempt. In, in this year's ritual, yeah. So you would think they... Yes, I agree. Anyway, the story progresses. The teens. Yeah. So, uh, so on the other, on the other hand, we get we get these five um, young young attractive people. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing we see of them is a pretty redhead in her knickers. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Giles. <laughs> uh, also, Feminism. Yay. Chris Hemsworth. Um, yeah. Before he got famous for Thor, this was a, this was actually going to be released in 2010. Um, okay. But MGM more or less went bankrupt and this and the Red Dawn remake were, got stuck in the we've made the film but we need somebody to pay for the actual release oh okay uh, so, this, so that's why it didn't come out till 2012 by which time of course Chris Hemsworth now very famous because of Thor oh so he made it before Thor before yeah. Thor oh yeah okay I follow now yeah okay 
all right, so he was partly the reason for it getting financed to release, at least. Probably, though. I mean, Red Dawn got released eventually as well and sank without a trace or barely a bubble. Uh, well, uh, yeah, it was because it was a very bad film. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we have uh, um, Kristen Connolly, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, um, the other characters don't make too much of an impact, apart from uh, Fran Krantz, um, who's the, uh, the the stoner, the fool. Yeah, um, I, so I, I the, don't really know any of these actors. No, I don't either particularly, um, but they I, I assume they, they are... were all relatively unknown when the film was made. At the time, I think they were. Uh, some of the uh, people in the facility, like Amy Acker, were, were long-term Whedon um, uh, collaborators. Um, hmm. But Bradley um, Whitford had done the West Wing. Oh yes, yes. So, so they, they were more uh, more recognisable. The, but the the kids are all stereotypical. Uh, we have the jock. We have the uh, uh, the. The kind of shy, retiree one who usually ends up being the hero of these films. We have the the stoner, um, uh, and, and um, the other guy is, is his archetype is the librarian, and it turns out there's or the scholar, and it turns out the reason why they're stereotypical because they all have to, for ritual purposes, fit into the archetype, and when they don't fit into the archetype, they are chemically corrected to do the right archetypal thing. Which I thought was a nice touch, and and again is where uh, they're pumped full of um, pheromones. I I do get frustrated. Pheromones are not things that exist in humans. <laughs> but anyway, let's uh, ignore that for the moment. Uh, you, um, you could certainly have an aerosol disinhibitor, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yes, it, it turns does, out they, they they imply that a certain amount of consent is necessary. You know, there, there is the the cellar full of a whole array of different creepy things and whichever one they, they interfere with will be the one that activates and comes to kill them. You know, in, in this case, it's the, the um, zombie redneck torture family. Yes, uh, there's always a nice moment when you can, as I did, uh, I paused the whiteboard to read through all the other, <laughs> all the other <laughs> versions of, uh, of, of murdering. And that was... Cl- it, there comes a point, though, where is it just the guys in the tech facility having fun with this stuff. How much does the Elder God really care about that? It's, it's a bit unclear as to how specific Well, that's the thing. I mean, really if you, if you can dump mind control chemicals into them, to what extent is that meaningfully a consenting to be part of the sacrifice? It's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. And it, I, I think it's fair to say it really doesn't stand up to very close scrutiny, the cabin in the world. And it's probably mm. not really supposed to. What we're having here is, is an explanation for why... Um, characters in horror films always split up and why they always go down into the creepy cellar with the torches and why they always do things that you kind of want them to do even when you're screaming at the screen don't do that why would you do that you idiot and Mm -hmm. and basically the whole film is designed to show you a semi-plausible explanation for why that happens and also sort of commenting on it too well yeah Um, this is where we get into the, the meta story yeah, uh, because, and, and I think this is, this is quite explicitly done. Uh, we we have um, while the kills are being set up, the technicians saying things like, "Yeah, yeah, go on, show, show us your breasts," and um, yes, they basically, on the one hand, that they, they are uh, saying, "Do this, do that," and, and making sure they do it. On the on the other hand, they are completely cold. They're not emotionally involved at all. Yes. And and it yeah. seems to me that what what's the um, script script message is really is that you the horror audience are the problem. You know you I, you are yeah. you are demanding the same thing in the same format again and again. <laughs> I did. I I think it. But there's. A, I, I absolutely agree. That's what it's doing. And it's there's an element of that being too clever by half though because. Uh, it's it's saying, look at you, you want these breasts, don't you? You're complicit in this. But then it is, you know, having a young actress go topless for the purposes of this film. Mm. Uh, do you know what I mean? It just feels a little bit hypocritical to me. And it, inv- it relies on you being the kind of audience that want that sort of thing. It, it so did I, remind me a bit, I, I hadn't seen it when I first watched this, but of uh, Inglorious Bastards saying, you know, you're enjoying this violence. 
let's show you some more violence. Oh, you're very bad for enjoying this violence. Let's show you some more of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and with yes, I agree. There's an element of um, sort of having its cake and eating it, or uh, it's something. I think too clever by half feels like it here because it's. Yeah, I mean, at that point, we're clearly supposed to be the audience like them. And, and because we've seen it a hundred times like them, we're no longer moved by it or excited by it. We want to see something a bit more extreme. Mm. And it's, it's kind of, I think it's saying that's, that's you, that is, isn't it? That's you. That's what you want. Um, so, um, if you think they're horrible, well, that's you. And yeah, I suppose, but I'm not wholeheartedly a horror fan of that kind of film anyway and so yeah i mean i i've i've enjoyed occasional horror films but i wouldn't call myself a horror fan in general well i don't really like slasher films and torture porn and i i think mm. this film is is trying to move away from that well yeah I mean, what, we're one in of the, the era uh whedon specifically said was that he was trying to get back to the more classic slasher film rather than torture porn and yes okay so fair and enough. this is this plays with that and i i, I think it does it cleverly Perhaps not quite cleverly enough, or to some extent, it's 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 so wrapped in knots in trying to explain that that the story actually doesn't make a huge amount of sense. Mm. Um, but you you forgive it because it's clever in what it's doing. Um, uh, but it's uh, so we have the zombie rednecks. Um, I do like the kind of choose your fate. Um, which reminded me a bit of Ghostbusters. <laughs> choose your um, choose the manner of your destruction, um, and and the teenagers slowly get off. Uh, one particular scene I like is where um, the Chris Hemworth character says, "Stay together, whatever we do, don't split up." And they're like, "No, but that's wrong." And they they pump him full of chemicals, so he's like, "Oh, oh wait, no, we should split up." I, I again, it's it's a bit on the nose in some places, mm. but I, I think sometimes. It really is helpful to be on the nose rather than subtle in the sense that when you're subtle, people misread you in the wrong way. And I think that that's, that's yeah. hard to do with this film. Um, yeah, so some of... Well, okay. So one of the things I, I rather liked was um, the bit where the illusion breaks down. Uh, so we, we, we've established that there is a mysterious force field or something yes. stopping, stopping them getting out. Uh, except yes. by the tunnel, and then the tunnel gets collapsed in the nick of time. Which, which, yeah. which is actually really nice. You know, that that classic thing of uh, the desperate effort to join the two wires together yeah. is just flipped upside down. As no, this is the bad guys doing it. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, one of them comes up with the idea of I will, I will make a jump on this motorcycle. Yeah. And then slams into the force field and is instantly killed. But the, at, at that point, you say, "Okay, the the illusion is now completely gone." Yeah, that is a, that's a really good moment. Um, it's a really shocking moment, even though you kind of it's no surprise, and you should have predicted it, but it is a surprise. And uh, yeah, that's really well done. And then from then on, for a while, um, we're basically back with the. Um, it seems like, and I think it handles this really well as well. It seems like this, that story has ended and that ritual's gone well. And that's kind of the twist and they're just celebrating. And then it twists back again. And Be this because story was the fool in, actually lived. The fool lived. Somehow. And, uh, I mean, he, he was trapped in a pit with a, with a well-armed maniac, but apparently he managed to survive and kill the guy. It's still, um, yeah, I, there's there's a suggestion that that he managed to have a stash of weed that they hadn't got to um, dose with chemicals the way they had all the rest of his weed. I, I'm not convinced. <laughs> I, no, and even then, it's still weed. It doesn't exactly equip you for a zombie fight. Um, but but, be... but the, the the concern here is that yeah, it, it doesn't matter whether the virgin dies or not, but she has to be the last survivor. Exactly, and it, it, this is and, and, a mirroring all films. If the um, fool has not like been this, killed, then, then, then it she all falls can't apart. die. Yeah, so if she dies, there's trouble. Um, and it's 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 nicely it's nicely done that that suddenly comes to the foreground that he has survived, um, and then they somehow find their way into this hyper secure facility. And again, it's all a bit, you know, this is the end of the world. This guy's got to die first. Um, and they send one security guard, yeah, the, <laughs> um, who doesn't just immediately shoot him between the eyes. I don't know if that would have worked. I don't know. But at this point, they're desperate. They yeah, haven't they, got they, very they, long. They've, they've completely given up on the narrative. They just need to have yes. the deaths in the right order. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Am I expected to believe that they didn't have some sort of knockout gas in those cages? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, they've got every other type of gas. They're dealing with incredibly dangerous ones. They've basically got an army down there, but no, they send one security guard um, who mm-hmm. gets overpowered by the stoner. Um, and, and, and surprise uh, zombie arm, to be fair. Uh, and surprise zombie, that's a nice uh, nice move, zombie arm. Um, and then we get, I don't know, this is... Um, to some extent, it's just a uh, fanboy service that we just get to see this huge fight with all these all incredible the monsters. Up at monsters. The same time, yeah. But it is still incredible fun to watch. I must say. I mean, yeah. I, I wish I didn't. It, it enjoy makes no it. sense that the, that the system would would dump dump them all there. No, <laughs> so it's it really convoluted. But just it's just. It's exciting to think, oh, what's this happening? What's it? Who are these? What's that? Oh, what's that? And then just the sight of the room afterwards, just absolutely um, be, being gorgeous. Fair, I, I've complained about um, confusing fights. And yeah. while this is obviously to some extent deliberately confusing, you know, you've got all yes. these monsters whipping around faster than the humans can react. Yes. Uh, it worked. You, you could still, you could still work out in a broad sense what's going on. Which, so, yes, you know, exactly. Kudos on that. Yeah, it's it's well done. We get the nice sort of denouement where um, uh, the admin guy again, I've forgotten his name, um, Steve, finally meets a merman, um, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is uh, it's nicely done. Um, Amy Ack is disposed of fairly quickly by a tentacle, um, and yeah, so it's it's it kind of does manage to have its cake and eat here in that it just is really absolutely bonkers, gortastic in the way it's kind of. Uh, in the way that you know, a few minutes ago we were like, "That's you cheering them on, isn't it?" Well, go on then. Now you can have some absolutely mm-hmm. bonkers gore stuff. Because these are the bad end... guys, so it's fine. <laughs> it's all yes, and it feels it never feels gratuitous in the sense that it really is over the top, full blown gore. But it's not. You don't actually see that much horrendous mm. stuff. It's there's, just really... there's a lot of blood spray and, and not a whole lot of open wounds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and a lot of gore and nonsense, but it's uh, it feels quite cartoony ultimately. Mm. Um, and then we have the 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 new mon- uh, where Sigourney Weaver pops up, um, mm. and inexplicably all, all also her. doesn't immediately shoot <laughs> the stoner through the head, but proceeds to explain the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and having had that explained, um, briefly converts uh, the the Virgin character uh, to her side until she realises she was wrong and I don't know if the film is supposed to make you think oh no yeah that would have been terrible but seems a bit selfish to me if you're going to die anyway in a few minutes well yeah that's the thing I, th- I think it's trying uh, as we said in Never Let Me Go it's trying for the last thing of you know, is it, o- is it okay to make one person suffer in order for everybody else to have a good time yeah um the problem here is that, well, the first level problem <laughs> is that everybody's going to die either way. Yes, yeah. Uh, either you die or everyone die, and I, I think it's yeah. You, you know, yeah. May, maybe you might say, "Let us make this better." You know, but but you you can't do. You know, let us say she she um, Dana says, "Right, well, yeah, okay, I'll shoot him, but you have to promise to make this public or end it or whatever." There's there's nothing yeah. she can do to get a binding promise out of the director at that point. No, um, but also she doesn't need to explain anything to him. All that has to happen is he has to die first, mm. and then she can get it. She can just walk away. So she doesn't need to win anyone over. She's got a gun. Yeah, she was quite happy for him to die <laughs> involuntarily a few hours ago. But yeah, uh, I, I think it, it it's it's reach is definitely exceeding its grasp here. Yes, and uh, I, I I sort of get that Marty's decision is kind of a fuck you. I'm going to take everyone with me, and I that's you, you can respect it to some extent. But uh, that's everyone he ever knew, and everyone he know, and I just um. Also, I don't know if the end of the world is going to be brought about by a big hand. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, So it's ended with this kind of... The Elder Gods uh, are clearly sort of humanoid in form, or at least they've got arms. Um, so, it, But it has got a Lovecraftian vibe to it, and maybe a sort of, I don't know, a Greek god vibe to it. I, I suppose the difference with Lovecraft is... Yeah, I mean, that, it's, it's not explicitly Lovecraftian. Well, I suppose Lovecraft's entities would never really have given a shit whether you're going through all of that or not. They kill you or not, whether they they like, whether they wanted to. They don't really care what human gets up to, but they they might 
do their literal rituals to feel better about it. Um, I mean, I like it. It's extremely... So, the cabin in the world, it's... I think it is very smart. It's very witty. Uh, I say witty rather than funny. I think it's fair to say I've probably found uh, Seeking a Friend from the End of the World funnier in a lot of places. Mm. Um, uh, this is just Where, where this does well dialogue. for me, I think, is like I think we've mentioned before the first of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. On the one yes. hand, it's saying hey, this is a silly situation. But on the other hand, it, it's treating it with respect, not just saying, oh, that's silly, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yes, th- th- this, but... is, this is not a, not a film you would make if you were not a fan, to some extent, of the classic horror. Exactly. And just like Pirates of the Caribbean, it, it has fun with it without... Uh, I, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean doesn't really mock the old film. And this is... It, it veers a bit close to kind of mocking horror and slightly mocking horror fans maybe mm. um or at least as you say just being like aren't you aren't you awful for wanting this well you can have some <laughs> it's it's slightly yeah. but i agree it does it does it does get it right and it's very watchful and there, there are um, lots of little details that don't quite fit together for me particularly towards the end i think if we're trying to make this make any kind of sense as an actual this is what this is an actual story about how it's there's too many that the whole okay. elder gods thing and why these rituals work and uh, well e- even at the, the very high level if that if that were the situation one then why not just make it public why do we have a world that looks like the world we know up top yes yeah yeah there, there's so many risks about that getting out yeah, you might as well just do a like Hunger Games job with it, might you? And just make it public and let's face it, out of the world population, you would probably find five volunteers per year. You probably would, yeah, yeah. Or have a some kind of terrible lottery situation. But <laughs> maybe it wouldn't work. You know, I don't know. But it's not really, not really clear why the Elder Gods cares about any of that. But I suppose the whole point is trying to explain the unexplainable which is how teenagers behave in slasher films which yeah. is, uh, and, 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 and I say he I mean Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon um, uh, it, it leaves a sour taste in the mouth since the revelations of Joss Whedon and it makes because Joss Whedon stuff is so recognisably Whedon-esque mm. and so linked with that person it does make it slightly harder to watch this sort of stuff um, a little bit um but I, I think I can divorce it from him. Uh, it's a very enjoyable film. Um, I, I, f- and and it is clever. Um, it, it, and as you say, I, I think if it has a flaw, it's that its reach exceeds its grasp. But it's uh, and it doesn't really stand up to any kind of scrutiny. But neither do any other slasher <laughs> films. At least it's trying. And sadly, this did not in any way prevent people from making more slasher films. <laughs> it did not. No, no, it didn't. They just made them grimmer and dirty. And uh, I don't know. Has the torch porn died off? I haven't really kept up with modern horror. Mm. Um, hmm. I think I think it's still there. But, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Um, well, is it a masterpiece for you, Roger? <sighs> Well, I proposed it, I would say yes, I'm, I'm now yeah. on the edge. I think on uh, balance, yes. I think, I think it's original enough and clever enough that he, with, with some, um, uh, hesitations, and normally I wouldn't allow a film that didn't make any sense, <laughs> um, <laughs> in, but I think it's, it's, what it's trying to do doesn't, I, I think it works, and at least for the time you're watching it, it's full of fridge logic, isn't it, really? But it, it just about makes it, I think. Yeah, and it, and it does do the thing that I always say I want to see of picking actors whose either either it's their first time out or they've had very minor roles before and essentially saying, this is your big chance, make, give it your all. Yeah. I mean, we haven't talked much about the acting in it. I, um, I, I suppose because they... Mm... It's all so slick and polished and weedonesque that I don't really. It's such an artificial acting performance in a lot of it that I don't. Don't really. Feel, I, I feel like the acting's much less in the fore and less important than mm. in you know in Argo that we talked about um, last time. Um, and I, I, think, I thought Chris Hemsworth and Jesse Williams had more work to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Fran Krantz just has to be annoying. 
to start with, and and and, were... the, and the girls just have to be sexy. <laughs> yes, I did find Frank Krantz too annoying initially. I must say, I know he's yeah. supposed to be, but uh, I, he never really shook that off for me. Um, which is partly why I was less sympathetic at the end. But um, the two guys who are obviously trying being forced into the role of the the you know the the jock and the other jock, yeah, and are in fact both quite smart. Yes, yeah, I thought that was a nice touch. That it, they... it, it, it's it's. Okay, so it, it's a simple enough reversal, but but I think the actors do a good job of portraying it. Yes, whereas the the the, uh, the young women eh, don't really get that, do they? Uh, it's suggested uh, that the medical student, um, that the blonde um, woman whose name I've forgotten, I'm afraid, Jules, Jules uh, Gules, um, Anna, uh, suggested she's very smart, but you never, she never really gets a chance to fight against that. Um, yeah. Uh, well, there we are. Uh, two, I, I absolutely agree with you. Two, uh, two films, which, uh, could have been the last word in both these genres. They weren't. Um, uh, I think Cabin in the Woods was much more successful when it got released, whether that was Chris Hemsworth, uh, or not. Um, mm. but it, it did a lot better than Seeking a Friend for the Yeah, end so of the world. Se- Seeking a Friend was a budget of 10 mil and brought in a bit less. This was a budget of 30 mil and brought in, uh, about 65. Which is it's not bad for a horror film. And uh, with Cinema Show, that's probably about break even, but yeah. Well, that's true. I always forget Cinema Show, but then I'm not uh, a film producer, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> whether I remember And let's face it, Hollywood accounting can turn anything into a profit or a loss as needed. So Exactly, that's true. Well, there we are. Two um, uh, similar genre uh, defining, not really defining, commenting on... Uh, well, capstoning, as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. well, yes, it should have been capstoning, but weren't. Uh, great. Well, thank you for um, recommending both of them. I enjoyed both of them absolutely. Um, I think talking them through, seeking a friend is is a better. And uh, I often say, which you know, did a film move me emotionally? Seeking a friend certainly did. Absolutely. Hmm. Cabin in the Woods doesn't really because they're not really people it's just a kind of flashy yeah. comic um but it's still really good i still really like it so they're both very good films right then we shall continue to 2013 onwards <laughs> Thank you.